Our state is home to thousands of aging dams. Many are more than 50 years old, and some just aren't safe. Today on Points North, we'll hear about how they continue to shape Michigan's rivers and what happens when they're removed. Also, we'll fill you in on the controversial project to replace the last dam on the Boardman River. There's a lot of fears over what could happen to the native trout populations in the river. It's a beloved trout fishing stream. That's all coming up on Points North, a show from Interlochen Public Radio, where we hear about life in northern Michigan through the news, the people, and the places. I'm your host, Max Johnston, filling in for Dan Wanshura. We'll start with three other dams that were removed from the Boardman River in the past few years. It was part of the largest ever dam removal project in Michigan. One of the main goals was to return the river to a more natural and healthy state. Interlochen Public Radio's Kay LaFond followed up to find out how the Boardman has been doing since the dams came out. A light rain is falling at the former site of the Brown Bridge Dam, just south of Traverse City. Brett Fessel, an ecologist for the Grand Traverse Band of Ottawa and Chippewa Indians, says the place has changed. So if you listen, you wouldn't hear that bird singing. You wouldn't hear the rain falling. You wouldn't hear the wind. All you would have heard was the whine of the turbines and then the falling of the water, you know, a very industrial kind of noise. Brown Bridge was the first of three dams on the Boardman River to be removed back in 2012. The last dam came out in 2018. The multi-million dollar project brought together nonprofits and local, state, federal, and tribal governments. There were lots of reasons to remove the dams, to improve habitat for cold water fish, to restore wetlands and floodplains, and to eliminate maintenance costs and the risk of dam failure. But the plan wasn't popular with everyone. Some were really attached to the lakes and ponds the dams had created. Any kind of change to people's environment um, or experience is going to have resistance. Human beings really, I mean, we're kind of fixated on, on keeping things static or keeping things comfortable, let's say, and uh, familiar. Removing the dams also meant rebuilding some natural river channels and floodplains. Think bulldozers and backhoes and excavators. And the project didn't always go smoothly. Here at Brown Bridge, a structure partially failed during the dam removal process, which sent a surge of water down the river. It caused an emergency evacuation and flooded homes. But, Fessel says, there was a silver lining. As it turns, the suddenness of the dewatering in this particular project left a lot of the organic material parked within the floodplain of the, of the river. And within that organic material was a store of seeds, a seed bank, better than a century old in some cases, and it just came back gangbusters. He says you can lose yourself in the aspen trees, many of which have already reached 15 feet tall. Downstream, at the sites of the former Boardman and Sabin dams, the reconstructed riverbanks are more bare by comparison. The vegetation hasn't had as much time to come back. But throughout the river, aquatic insects are doing well, a sign that it's rebounded after all the disturbance and native brook trout are doing better than ever. Nate Winkler is a biologist with Conservation Resource Alliance, the nonprofit that managed the Boardman Dam Removal Project. He says that removing the dams has helped brook trout better compete with non-native brown trout. 
in years subsequent to the project taking off, we have seen a an uptick in brook trout numbers. At some points, the data show uh, a half and half uh, population breakdown. So half brook trout, half brown trout, where before it would be more along the lines of a 80-20. The brook trout are benefiting from colder water. The river stays cooler when its water isn't held in ponds. The fish are also now able to pass freely up and down the reconnected stretches of river, 160 miles in total. Amy Beyer is the executive director at Conservation Resource Alliance. She says there's no shortage of lakes and ponds, like the ones that used to exist behind the dams in northern Michigan. What's much more rare that we regained in the Boardman Project is the free-flowing cold water stream. Brett Fessel says he understands the feelings of people who miss the ponds, but he still thinks the Boardman watershed is better off. You know, the greater good that would be served by restoring the, the natural form and function of the whole system is it, that transcends here and now. That transcends m- me, my children, you know, and goes on to generations to come. For Points North, I'm Kay LaFond. This is Points North. I'm Max Johnston. There's one dam left on the Boardman River. Instead of removing it, Traverse City wants to replace it with a project called Fish Pass. As the name suggests, the structure is meant to pass some fish upstream from Lake Michigan, while keeping others from entering the river. And it's controversial. Jordan Travis from the Traverse City Record Eagle has been covering the story. He joins me in studio to discuss what's new and next for the Fish Pass. Can you explain a little bit just about what the Fish Pass project is and how it came to be? Um, Why and how was the mouth of the Boardman chosen as the location for this project? Well, Fish Pass, the idea is they're going to build a dam with a channel. And in that channel, there's going to be a variety of fish sorting technologies and techniques. The Great Lakes Fishery Commission, they're the project leader talking about exploring whether they can use things like air bubbles, sound, lights, for example, to let fish upstream that they want upstream while keeping the unwanted species, especially sea lamprey, downstream. So what do we know about the project in terms of what it will do to the fish community? and the ecosystem in the Boardman. Um, I know there's a requirement in the fish pass to not let sea lamprey up the river, but there's questions over what other fish will pass. I guess, what, what do we know and what do we not know? The last one is an interesting question. The Department of Natural Resources right now is looking at fish movement up and down the lower Boardman, along with uh, the Grand Traverse Band of Ottawa and Chippewa Indians is helping out as well to get a baseline of what fish are there and how they're moving in and out. There's a lot of concern on the part of the public as to what will happen if the wrong species gets upstream. There's worries about uh, steelhead in particular because they could outcompete the brook trout that are there. The Boardman River is a beloved trout fishing stream, and uh, nobody wants to see the brook trout harmed if something happens that uh, was unforeseen. So there was a meeting on Monday night on the next steps for the Fish Pass project. Uh, What happened there, and what's next for it? Well, on Monday, Traverse City commissioners approved a memorandum of understanding between the city, 
the Great Lakes Fishery Commission, the Department of Natural Resources, and the Grand Traverse Band of Ottawa and Chippewa Indians. It's kind of a framework that lays out who does and pays for what. There were some members of the public that were really hoping they would wait for six months at least before they agreed to it. The city commissioners, for their part, feel confident in the experts behind it. A lot of them expressed this confidence. And they also said that a lot of the questions that people were raising at the meeting have been brought up before and that they've got uh, answers to them that they think are satisfactory. So what happens next is that the final design is going through its last review. It's going out to bid in January or February, and construction is expected to start in mid-2020. Jordan Travis is a reporter for the Traverse City Record Eagle. Jordan, thanks for coming in. Thank you. You can find my extended interview with Jordan Travis at our website, pointsnorthradio.org. This is Points North. I'm Max Johnston. There are hundreds of aging dams across Michigan, and many have outlived their safety and usefulness. IPR's Kay LaFond is here to tell us how the state is dealing with this aging infrastructure. Hi, Kay. Hey, Max. So uh, about how many dams do we have in Michigan and what are they currently being used for? So there are about 2,600 dams in the state of Michigan that we know about. There are also many that are unregistered that we probably don't know about. And a lot of them aren't necessarily being used for anything or at least no longer, you know, what they were built to do. A lot of them were constructed for logging operations, mills, some for hydropower. And then, of course, a lot of them just to create lakes and and ponds for recreation. Two thirds of them are more than 50 years old. And uh, the American Society of Civil Engineers gave dams in the state an overall rating of C minus in 2018. So a lot of this infrastructure is not in good shape. So is this a safe issue for residents and property owners, especially downstream, and how is the state dealing with that? Well, in some cases, yeah, it is a safety issue. Um, There have been over 300 dam failures in Michigan since the early 20th century. So are there a lot of dam removals then in the process? Well, we're seeing some. On average, about three a year. But that's compared to 22 repair permits per year. So not that many. But so in your feature we heard earlier, you talked a lot about the benefits of dam removals. Why isn't everybody doing this? A lot of times dam owners, whether that's um, a private landowner or even a community, they'll resist the removal because they like their ponds. The other thing is that removing dams is really expensive up front, even though it long term, you know, saves you on maintenance. The last thing is that um, the Department of Environment, Great Lakes and Energy only has about three full time employees managing 2,600 dams. So they're stretched pretty thin. So what should uh, landowners, property owners that are concerned about a dam on their property, what should they do about this? Um, If you go to Google and you put Michigan Dam Safety into the search bar, um, it'll bring you to Michigan's Dam Safety website and you can find links for um, information on dam risk, um, getting your dam inspected, and and what your options are. Kay LaFond, conservation reporter at IPR. Kay, thanks. You're welcome. And that's the show this week. I'm Max Johnston. Noel Riley is our executive producer, and you can tune into Points North every Friday here on Interlock and Public Radio. You can listen online at pointsnorthradio.org, or you can find us wherever you get your podcasts.